This is the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast, exploring the human element behind cybersecurity programs and technology. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again. And in the booth, it's just us. This is our second episode of the week. And as always, we're bringing a quick question to you. What is the question today, Chris? The question today is, what is social networking You know, it's so unfortunate that we had to cancel our hacker summer camp plans. We had a a plan to come out and surprise everybody, drop in, meet with friends we haven't seen since the beginning of COVID. But things just didn't seem to work out with the uptick of things that's going on in Vegas. And we just wanted to play it safe. We can't wait to meet with everybody. But in lieu of that, we still have this thing called the internet, and the internet enables us to connect with people all around the world. In fact, one of the best things that ever happened to the Hacker Valley Studio podcast is that we went remote. We used to do all of our episodes in person in the studio, but that really was limiting for the people that we could bring onto the show because they had to physically be there in the studio. But once we opened things up, and we opened things up via the internet, we were able to meet new people all around the world from all walks of life and bring them into the studio and be able to share their stories with everybody else. And the primary way that we connect with our listeners and our friends is through social networking. And what is social networking, Ron? You know, I had to look up the definition because I was like, what is the difference between social networking, and just regular networking. And what I realized is it's the fact that you're using a website or an application to interact with other people. And it's typically interaction with like-minded people, people with similar interests. I know for me, there's times where maybe there's not a positive experience when I log into social networks, but most of the time there is. There's new information, there's new people, there's opportunity to talk about my skill set and to learn about others' people's skill set and also really what's going on in their life. So what was your your start in social networking? For me, I had dabbled in a couple different sites, but really when I started to build that traction was LinkedIn. I remember I was working at the House of Representatives and someone said, oh, do you have a LinkedIn? I said, yeah, I had like, I don't know, 30 connections or something like that. I didn't have a bio. I didn't have all my positions on there. I had a terrible picture. And one of the guys called me out and was like, hey, man, this is terrible. Like, you got to you gotta fix this. I felt some type of way about it, but he was 100% correct. I had to put a little bit more TLC into my account because that's like your forward facing face is is your profile. And whenever you want to connect with people, if like you don't have a picture and you don't have anything about you, like why would anybody want to connect? Like they they don't see a a reason to connect if you don't have any of that information. So I put a little love and, and care into it. And I started to connect with people. I connected with people that I worked with in the past, maybe some long lost friends from high school or college. And slowly but surely, I started to build that that network. But I didn't do it for any particular reason. I just wanted to connect with people that I know and people that I wanted to know. But what was your start in social networking? I had kind of this weird start with social networking. I was an early adopter of AOL Instant Messenger. I used to love using that tool. 
But when I used the, the instant messenger, I didn't necessarily put my real information on there. And also when I was using bulletin boards, I used to love exchanging information with people about video games and just random topics, really like sports on bulletin boards. But again, I didn't use my real identification. I didn't use my real name. It wasn't until Facebook and also LinkedIn. I kind of just went all in at once. I stopped using uh, this super secret fake email that I won't expose on the podcast <laughs> that I might still use some of the time. Right. But, you know, I started to talk more about myself. I started to put myself out there. And like you were saying, I uploaded a picture. I put a bio in there. And I also took the time to go through some of the more fine, detailed information that I put on social media. But I'm still selective about what I put. Like I'll put a picture with the caption really describing it. I'm a lot more vocal on social networks now that more things are open, more people are more transparent on social networks. And I really like the aspect of almost masquerading in some ways. On social networks, you can see a side of people that maybe you typically wouldn't get to see. Maybe their artistic side, they post a painting that they painted, or they showed a bowl that they created, or they blow my mind with a talk about cybersecurity and breaking into all things on the internet. You know, things like that are really how I got started. And more so hooked on social networks. And one thing that I do want to put across to folks is that people do use social networking and networking in general for a goal sometimes. They use it to either sell, sometimes they use it to uh, pitch products and things like that. But I feel like one of the best things that you can do when it comes to social networking and reaching out to people via the internet is not to have an ulterior motive, like to genuinely want to get to know somebody, build that relationship, build a friendship. And then eventually, if the stars align and there's something that you could give that person that they're looking for, then it's all the better. But sometimes what you I'm sure everybody that's listening to this has had that cold message in LinkedIn sitting there like, hey, would you like to check out my product? And that's <laughs> that's not the best way to, to start that relationship. Get to know somebody, show that you're interested in them as a person, and then build that relationship first before you start to ask for stuff. So I got to ask, we always talk about high performance and cybersecurity on the podcast. And one way or another, how has social networking helped you become a mental athlete and a top performer in cybersecurity? You know, I would say if it wasn't for LinkedIn and all the work that we put into LinkedIn and, and building our community, I, w I literally would not be where I am right now. So the reason why I'm even here in Texas, working where I'm working, doing what I'm doing with my family is because I started to put content out on LinkedIn. Chris Castaldo, good, good friend of ours. We worked with him at IronNet. We're in Security Tinkers together. He saw all the stuff that I was putting out on LinkedIn and said, hey, you would be great to be a part of this club called the Security Tinkerers. I come in, meet all these incredible security leaders. I meet David Sal. David Sal brings us over to work with him. And I get the opportunity to live in Texas. And we both live in Texas now. It's just a, a an incredible thing that through your network, it can completely change the trajectory of your life. If I didn't do anything on LinkedIn, maybe the podcast wouldn't be as, as far as it is today. If we didn't mess around and try to engage with our listeners as much as we do, maybe it wouldn't be as big as it is right now. So there's a lot of things that could be different if you don't leverage that social network. 
So true. And we're still students to the game. We're still learning a lot. And we keep mentioning LinkedIn. I would imagine that most of the listeners that find us through some type of social network, it's probably through LinkedIn, maybe Twitter. We're learning about Instagram. We're learning about these new social networks that are popping up left and right. Even like things like Clubhouse are are just kind of exploding right now. And one of the disadvantages of social networks is the sheer amount of information. Whenever I'm trying to learn something new today, like I feel like I have paralysis by analysis. (laughs) And, you know, there's just so much information for me to learn. It's hard to just focus on one thing. But luckily, if you have that ability just to just be able to focus, there's enough information out there to just go deeper and deeper down the rabbit hole of whatever you're interested in. Yeah, I think we'd be remiss without mentioning like the, the direct implications of social networking for cybersecurity. We talk about open source intelligence all the time when we talk about threat intelligence, but really it's for any cybersecurity practitioner being connected to those researchers, being connected to those other folks in your specific genre of cybersecurity, because they're on the fringes of that research. They're on the fringes of those operations. So really understanding what everyone's doing really raises everyone's ability very, very quickly because you're sharing information very, very rapidly. But there is a a counterpoint to that. Like you were saying, it it could be analysis paralysis because there's too much information. There's too many pathways that you can take. And that's why having that close cadre of friends to be able to reach out to and say, hey, I'm having a hard time choosing one path or another, whether it's for your career, whether it's for a particular vendor you're looking to bring into your organization. There's so many different things that you could do. Leverage that hive mind. Even though people talk about hive mind being like this terrible thing, but I look at it as being this interconnected brain trust of individuals that you can pull information from. People that you trust, people that you respect, that you love, to be able to help make you make those decisions more efficiently and effectively. So I wanted to actually talk about some of that threat intelligence that you were just referring to. And, you know, I think we all know someone that can jump on Facebook and find someone in the snap. Like they can go on any tool and be able to find someone's name, maybe even their phone number. What do you think feeds the beast of social networks? How do social networks know what information to bring you? So I think there's a couple things there. Uh, and what's funny when you're talking about open source intelligence, that that is one of my my go to's. That's something I've spent a long time cultivating. I've found people in the past, like my mother in law, she hadn't seen her brother in many, many years. I was able to find them in a few minutes and they were on the phone a few minutes later. But wow. what's interesting about that is that the more data that is collected, whether it's imposed by the companies themselves or we give it willingly, the more data there is, the more breadcrumbs there are to kind of like follow. Have you ever tried to look for someone that has no social media presence, especially if they're not putting out talks or they're they're not doing, they're just completely off grid. It's almost impossible to find anything on them. But if you have someone that's really, really active, they're always doing things, they're, they're telling you where they're going, they're telling you about their lives and things like that, you can find a lot of information about them. And not in a, in a weird way, but if you're looking for them, if you're a fan of their research, it's easier to do that through social media if they're active. Some people are more private, like our good friend Jack Resider, very, very private guy. He shows you exactly what he wants you to see like he wants you to get access to a show. You can have access to him through Twitter 
But other than that, he's really, really private. So really understanding what information you're putting out there is going to be super important. Read the terms of service, read all that stuff. It's not fun. It's not super sexy or anything like that, but it will help you understand what information you're putting out there. But it also helps for people that are doing OSINT to understand what types of information they can expect when they look for certain things when they're doing their research. So you found your uncle-in-law through just doing a search online. Is that what you're saying? Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. Found him about five minutes. And then you guys were talking five minutes later? Like five minutes later. Yep. (laughs) Did he wonder how you got the number? (laughs) I don't know. I I wasn't a part of that conversation. Uh, You know, I I left it between them two, but she was super grateful that I was even able to, to get them connected. Wow, that is pretty awesome. And I hear about stories like that all the time. And we actually had someone on the podcast who was sharing their story about reconnecting with someone that her daughter was a heart transplant for. Pretty incredible fact that you can just get in contact with someone by doing a search of their name and probably even find their phone number. What I like to think of sometimes is like, what do I want out of social networks? What do I want out of the future of social networking? And one of the things that I've learned is I really enjoy the tool clubhouse. It's it's mm. fun. It's good to listen to kind of random conversations. But I do wish there was a bit more of a tailored clubhouse where I can go back and listen to the conversations and also maybe even see the people. I think that's why I spend a lot of time on YouTube and also LinkedIn, because there's a little bit more of that personal touch and you can go back to it. What are some of the things that you're hoping to see out of the future of social networking? You know, I really like YouTube a lot because I feel like YouTube gives you so many components of a person. You get to see their facial expression. You hear their voice. You see them doing different things, different experiences. So I really love YouTube. The thing about podcasts, I do like podcasts. It is missing that visual component, but you get to spend long amounts of time hearing from your your favorite people, hearing from the people that are doing things that you're interested in. So I, I do like that aspect as well. The one thing I do want to see change in the future, and I don't know if that's going to change at all, is I do feel like certain social media platforms cultivate negativity. And I try to scope and mold my feed as much as I can, but there are just some social networks that the most popular things are going to be negative stuff that people put out, which makes it a little difficult for me. You know, we're positive people. When we get on these mics, we tend to talk about great, happy stories, stories about learning, stories about growth, stories about triumph. There might be some challenges that people go through, but ultimately it's about becoming better. Sometimes when you get on social media, it can be a bit of a downer because you get on there and people are kind of like, frustrated or talking crap about other people. And and that's just not something that I want to have around me. So I would love to see a way for it to be more uplifting. I, I do remember hearing about a new platform that's coming out that not only has audio that you can do, but video as well, almost like video messaging. But a lot of people can see it all at once. And that is one of the ways I think you can take off that veil of privacy in the hopes that you'll be more genuine as a person. It's very easy to hide behind an avatar and a fake name and then talk crap about somebody or or make celebrities feel bad. But when it's you, it's your face. I think you'd be less likely to do that. So I, I, I'm looking for how we can bring more positivity to, to the social media front. 
Love that. And that's so true. That's one of the reasons why I enjoy, but also get a little frustrated with Twitter. There's a lot of really good information, but you also do get a little bit of that side beef that maybe is going on between other people. And I'm going to flip the script on you now. There's someone out there that's listening to this podcast right now, and they want to capitalize on their personal power. And they think using social networking is their way to capitalize on that. What is advice that you would have for that person to start to step into their power by using social networks? Find your people. They, they are out there, I'm telling you. There are always people out there that are like-minded, people that have different mindsets, which is always healthy. But find your people, people that you can learn from, people that you can grow with and respect and trust and feel safe with. It might not happen right away. It might take some time for you to find those folks, but eventually you will. And I promise you that little pod will grow and that pod will help you move to that next level of whatever it is you're trying to do. Well said, sir. It was nice to talk about social networks. I think that there's just so much implication, so much connectiveness between social networking and really all the things that we do today and what we're going to see out of the digital transformation of the future. This was a great conversation. Uh, We would love if you shared this episode, stayed in touch with us, check out the show notes for all of the links and also visit us at hackervalley.com. We'll see everyone next time. If you enjoy our content, it would mean so much to us if you shared this episode on social media, told a friend, or wrote us a review on your favorite podcast streaming platform.